Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey everybody just real quick before the show started uh this is steve and i just wanted to let you know for all the latest information on our podcast Hit us up on Twitter at E-I-L-F Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking for incredible art or maybe gifts for an upcoming uh, birthday or Father's Day, Mother's Day, anything like that, Christmas, uh, you can check out Izzy's art at untidyvenus.etsy.com. You can also find us on all the uh, podcatchers like Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, Podcast Addict, uh, basically... Google us, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, on with the show. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Brendan Steers, the writer-director behind the latest cult classic The Velocipaster, now available on Amazon Prime. However, his story doesn't start there. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steer was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Okay, I think it's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Excellent. How are you doing today, Brendan? I'm doing pretty well. Um, busy day, but not in a bad way. So <laughs> it's right. been a, yeah, it's been, it's been very busy since uh, we blew up on Reddit. Yeah. In the best way possible. Yeah. Did you do an uh, an AMA or whatever? I did. I did. Um, my my buddy's husband texted me that it w- somebody had posted the synopsis on R Funny, and so I jumped in and did an impromptu Q and A in outside of a McDonald's <laughs> as I <laughs> was driving somewhere. <laughs> nice. Do, do you do that a lot, or is just kind of like, eh, I'm just sitting here eating my lunch and. <laughs> No, I was I was in the middle of driving for Postmates. <laughs> I was trying to make ends meet, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I saw the opportunity, so I just jumped in and tried to make something of it. Excellent, excellent. Awesome. Well, yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, of course, everybody, this is uh, Brendan Steer, director of the incredible cult classic, if not future cult classic, Velocipastor, <laughs> now streaming on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there are probably other avenues to get it as well. You can probably get the Blu-ray through a website or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe you can elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um we actually sold out of physical copies. Oh, really? Like, we sold out of our entire run, um, which is incredible. I-, I think they are restocked now. So you should be able to get them from, like, you know, Amazon, uh, Walmart, all of the uh, usual haunts. I know we're also available for rental on Vudu and um, Tubi. You can stream us for free. Excellent. But the uh, the physical copies have the, I'm assuming, like, commentary track with the director? Uh, I don't yeah. Know. 
Oh, yeah, excellent. yeah, they, they sure do. Perfect, those <laughs> and, are always the best. <laughs> yeah, and I will also say I'd just love to make a note. Um, if anybody is listening from outside of North America, the Blu-ray is region-free, so it will play anywhere in the world. Excellent. Is Do you have them available, like, on your website? Are there any way to get, like, an autographed copy? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> um, honestly, n- not that we've set up yet. This all sort of happened so fast that we've been, you know, scrambling to keep up a little. Ah, uh, so to look for in the future. Yes. If somebody <laughs> sends me their copies, I will autograph them, yes. But <laughs> until then, I think it's just at screenings and stuff. Excellent, excellent. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I guess just to start off, would you mind telling us uh, a little bit about like where you grew up, uh, where your family life was like, and uh, I guess kind of how you kind of got into movies? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Montana. Uh, moved to Pennsylvania when I was pretty young, like, you know, eight or nine, I'd say. Went to high school and everything there. Uh, went to college in New York City at the School of Visual Arts. Um, lived in L.A., Paris, Berlin, and now I'm back in L.A. again. Honestly, I think I started getting interested in movies when I was like 13 or 14. Uh, it was just a fun thing to do with friends in my backyard. I, I just loved it. It was a great excuse to get everybody together and hang out and do fun stuff. And I could, you know, edit it together later and all that. All that. Um... When I was around that age, I saw um, Reservoir Dogs, and oh, yeah. that was that was the movie. That was the one that that all of a sudden I had a much better idea of what a director actually did, because <laughs> um, you know it has such a strong style that that it's kind of impossible to to miss. And so as soon as I saw Reservoir Dogs, um, I was like, "That's what I want to do. I want to be a director, and I want to be a writer." A writer-director. So, um, yeah, that was it. Ever since that moment, that's the only thing I've worked towards. And I have very carefully done that by cultivating no other skills. So, <laughs> so, uh, got that laser focus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am nothing if not tenacious. So. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, with Reservoir Dogs, were you like looking specifically to make like, uh, like you know, gangster movies and heist movies and stuff like that? Or just kind of all, all different genres? Or... No, you know, I think, quite honestly, I think the appeal of it was that it was forbidden. My um, my parents were pretty strict with the you have to be 16 to see R-rated movies thing. Um, but I was the second child, so I, I got a little more leeway on it. And so I actually, I bought that copy of Reservoir Dogs, which I had started reading about on this new thing called The Internet. Because, <gasps> I know, because <laughs> I was one of the last generation to have a childhood before it. So um, <laughs> I, I, I was hearing about this film and I went on a school field trip and I snuck away from the class so I could buy a copy of Reservoir Dogs <laughs> and uh, nobody would stop me. So uh, I watched it in secret. And yeah, I think the appeal was just that it was a uh, to a degree forbidden and to a degree um, just supposed to be great. Cause I was starting to get into that period where I had always loved movies, but now I was starting to become a burgeoning cinephile. So it was it was starting to Google, like, best movies ever, and just sort of going down that list, you know? It's like everybody likes Goonies and Brave Little Toaster and stuff like that, but then it's like, I gotta see Citizen Kane and mm-hmm. Casablanca and all these black and white movies I keep hearing about. 
Yeah, yeah that was that was me. And I, <laughs> yes. I went through right afterwards. I went through a huge Universal Monsters phase. Um, yeah. yeah, my favorite. Yeah, they're incredible. Oh, and, so, and so good. It was like it was really cool. I, it was a fun period of just sort of the world is your oyster. Absorb everything. And I sort of, um, I, I still do that a lot, honestly. <laughs> I'll still go through phases of just being like, I've never seen a film from Czechoslovakia. What's that all about? And, and just sort of going <laughs> down and like, you know, Google best Czech director. And like, what you know, it's fun. I, I love seeing glimpses into other people's worldviews. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I just want to pause here. Your uh, your story about sneaking away from a school field trip to buy a DVD. Yeah. I have a very similar story, but mine is much nerdier. I snuck away <laughs> from a field trip to buy a, a CD of hammered dulcimer music. <laughs> 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 Which is like the kind of stuff you would play at like a Victorian street fair. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and everybody thought it was awful. And so I was the only one who listened to it. And then when I, I got into high school, I had a teacher who was super into it and she stole my CD. <gasps> no. Where does she live? I know, right? Get it back. She never gave it back. And then she said she didn't have it. And I was oh, so mad. God. Crazy, crazy stuff. When I was like 25, I was at a street fair. The exact same artist was selling the exact same CDs still. No. I was able to purchase it again. <laughs> the guy was already like in his 60s or 70s the first time I found him. Oh, my God. So. That's yeah. incredible. I got mine at the Virgin Megastore, which no yeah. longer exists. <laughs> also so. an old man on a street corner. <laughs> yes, truly, truly. <laughs> I'm talking about Richard Branson that way. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> right, uh, but what were like so, some other movies that uh, I, I don't know, like influenced your style and stuff like that? I was super into um, uh, Robert Rodriguez for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's funny though? It was quite frankly, uh, maybe outside of Sin City, um, it was less the actual movies and more his ethos. Like, you know, of course, I, I bought Rebel Without a Crew. I was really, really inspired by this guy that in in a time where, you know, making films seemed like this Herculean, impossible task that you needed millions and millions of dollars to do. Here was a guy that was like, I don't know, I got 7,000 bucks and I fucking did it. <laughs> and like that was so liberating. Um, to, you know, I bought all of his DVDs because his special features were actually interesting. And he would, like, tell you about his process, and he would sort of be like, he demystified it a lot. And honestly, so, it's like, I, I do like Rodriguez's movies, but in, in terms of influences, it's way more his ethic, you know? Like, it's way more like, if you have two bits of string and 34 bucks... Um, you can make a movie. <laughs> and like, I, I just really internalized that. Um, except for Velocipaster, you can tell it's very high budget. So, you know, yeah, it's just... Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, some, I, sometimes yeah. you can just get money thrown at you. I, I saw like Alita Battle Angel. It's kind of the same thing. With them. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alita Battle Angel, uh, you know, Avengers Endgame and Velocipaster. Yeah, same yeah. budget-ish, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, once you get past nine digits, it's kind of, you know. <laughs> right. Water world eats your heart out. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. so are, are you are you like Rodriguez and like the, do you get on like the, the the rolling cameras and everything and like try to do everything yourself or are you well, a little more more passive with that? Um, camera is actually the one thing I don't touch. Um, okay. weirdly, I, I just never had the mind for it. Um, well, you know, I say that, but I also put, <laughs> I, I put the lens I want next to every shot list. So every, <laughs> every shot. So I don't know. Um, I, but I will say I was the writer, director, editor, and producer of Velocipaster. So that should tell you a bit about me. I <laughs> um, just love to work. Wait, were you I also craft do. services? Or? I was also the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, that takes away one of my questions later, but uh, <laughs> good to know. Yep. It was me and my brother. We were the only ones that fit in the costume. <laughs> Wait, and, um, and did you guys make the costume or no, was it kind no. of order off the internet or I don't know? <laughs> no, that's, it's way weirder than that. <laughs> uh, so, 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 um, so we shot Philosophaster in 2016, right? Um, it's an older movie. It, it just came out, but, uh, it, you know, it was shot a couple of years back in 2016. Yeah. The costume is from about 10 years before that when I was in high school. Um, me having always been precocious, um, had a high school film club that I was one of the senior members of. And, uh, one year we decided we were going to do this, a remake of this film from the seventies called The Last Dinosaur. And <gasps> yes. yep, starring Richard Boone. And so yeah. our, our class advisor, who was a teacher, um, managed to wrangle us some budget that year. And so he ordered the dinosaur costume for The Last Dinosaur, a high school film. And so it got delivered to my house. <laughs> I have no idea how much he paid for it. Um, but it was just in my basement. And the day before we were supposed to film The Last Dinosaur, the principal of our school finally read the script, decided it was, quote, too violent and told us to film something else. Aww. But he didn't ask for the costume back. <laughs> so that costume. No refunds. <laughs> I think it was paid for by Pennsylvania tax dollars. And I have no godly idea how much it cost. So I just had it in my basement. And, um, you know, uh, that's the costume we used. I am betting your high school teacher probably didn't ask for it back, uh, hoping you were still going to make it. I and did. in a way, you sort of did. You know, I hope so. I hope that was it, and it wasn't just that he forgot. But <laughs> I, I hope so, yes. You're, you're going to get a call all these years oh, later? No. I'm going to need that costume back. <laughs> no, it's He's the listening to the podcast right now. No, no, no. It's like a member of my family now. We named it Boone after Richard Boone. So he's oh. been in my basement for, Christ, almost 15 years. Yeah. Dang. So you will pry that thing from my cold, dead hands. I love that. <laughs> well, what if it's going to be in the Smithsonian in like two years. So. Yeah, I was going to say, so are you going to be buried in it or have it bronzed? <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think as they say, film is forever. So even if that is the only preservation of it, I will be very happy. <laughs> Nice. Well, and, and um, were, were you like a big fan of like dinosaurs and like dinosaur movies and stuff? Oh, girl? yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, I, I actually forgot. Sorry to cut you off. I actually forgot to mention that before I was 14 ish, I wanted to be a paleontologist very, very sincerely. <laughs> we so we did all Steve. did. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And cool I, yeah, uh, I, you know, I got every book I could read on dinosaurs. I, I just uh, like absorbed everything. And uh, eventually, 
I think I realized that it wasn't dinosaurs as much as it was Jurassic Park. <laughs> Hence the uh, switch towards being interested in movies. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was very similar. But the, the, the movie that got me was, uh, have you ever seen Baby Secret of the Lost Legend? No, like, I haven't. Like, sure. 85, it's got William Cat, um, uh, the, the crazy chick, Sean Young. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, the guy from Roar. Oh yeah, yeah, Motivo. Yeah, yeah. Motivo. I do not know this movie. No. Check it out. It's it's pretty good. It's what is it's it a baby secret of the lost legend. I will find this. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. no uh, it's no Tammy and the T Rex or Carnosaur. Right. It's, it's it's like a legit kind of movie. But yeah. I'm getting Mbembe. Look at Mbembe. Anyway, um, so so you graduated, uh, I, I guess high school around 2006 or seven, I think. If, if my math's right. Uh, uh, yeah, I was um, I was class of 09. I graduated college in 2013. Oh, okay. Oh, excellent. And, and so you were doing like the, the the short videos and stuff like that around that time, like like when you were in college? Yeah. Yeah, I made a ton of short stuff in college. Um, my, my ethos of film school was um, the equipment is there. <laughs> and <laughs> it is a great, place to fuck up a lot like I, I've always been of the uh, of the opinion that every every filmmaker has a lot of bad movies in them and they just will happen and so my thought was if I got a lot of those bad movies out of my system in film school that way when I started my professional career it, it would just be less bad movies um, less bad movies on purpose <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> So I, yeah, God, I think I shot three or four short films a year. Not many of them are very good, but it, it was, it worked as intended. They gave me the, uh, the equipment. I just went for it. I, in fact, it was to the point that, um, we, we had an entire year to do our thesis film and they were greatly discouraging of doing features and like, that's stupid because <laughs> you have an entire year. So I, um, my first feature film, Animosity, um, I did as my senior thesis, actually. And uh, I managed to sell it. You can, uh, I, yeah, it's still out. I think it's still on Amazon. So Ooh. it does exist. It is a, technically a student film. I made that one for 14000 <laughs> So uh, that was the, um, yeah, the, I, I did a lot of short work in film school, though. And that one's about a, uh, a house in the woods. I, I think I read the synopsis of like house in the yes. woods and something about supernatural powers. What? Yeah. Um, so here's one of the biggest things I learned from animosity, make a film that you can pitch <laughs> because <laughs> it, it is a good film. I really like that movie, but the problem is something happens at the exact midpoint that reframes everything you saw up until that point. And if you know it going in, it ruins the first 45 minutes of the movie. Because, like, if you go in blind, they're really tense and interesting and fun. And if you know what the twist is, they're a little boring. Um, because it, there's no more suspense. You know what it's leading to. And well, so it, it's funny because... Uh, yeah, no, just the, the lead actress in that film is phenomenal. She's incredible. And it's like, I want people to see it just for her. But especially when I made it, I was just like, you know, it's a big ask. I was nobody. I was 21 years old and I'm asking you to trust me for 50 minutes. Yeah. Like that that's a problem. 
And I, I took that to heart with Velocipaster. I tried to make the most pitchable movie possible. <laughs> <laughs> you want us over. Yeah, right. We actually, like, when it came out, we had added it to, or, yeah, it was, it popped up in uh, movies you may also enjoy because right. of our regular viewing habits. And we were like, so we added to this. We're like, yeah, this looks good. And, and yeah, the pitch was, yeah, like, a, basically, yeah, a, a priest uh, becomes a Velociraptor. We're like, all right, sold. Immediately, right. <laughs> what, like a week later? Probably 22 people tagged us online like, have you seen this movie? What is it about? Oh, my God. Oh, that's <laughs> We're awesome. like, yes, watch it. Watch it all. <laughs> yes. Watch it again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want you to know that just the power of the pitch of it can get two dozen people to start tagging their friends going, what is this movie about? Should I watch this right now? And I do believe, well, actually, I think the way we found your Twitter, uh, you were chatting with a friend of mine. Her account is a uh, cat named Bean. She's got the uh, oh, yeah. Flame Point Siamese who um, does the uh, the banana pictures. <laughs> yeah, she's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's super great. And yeah, she was like, oh, my God, I'm chatting with the guy who did Velocipaster. I know you love bad movies. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait, he, he talks to people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I am very active. I'm very lonely. No, no I'm very lock active. He's den, constructing the next masterpiece. Well, so yes, you well, were you were personally referred to us by a cat lady. That's wonderful. Thank you to her. Oh, that's that's great. I love that about the internet. Excellent. So okay, so Velocipaster. I'm picturing you were you you had the costume. You were kind of drunk one day. You were just looking at it. <laughs> uh, I, no, <laughs> what, no. no what, what's what's like the 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 antithesis of of the story? Yeah, once again, it's way weirder than that. Um, <laughs> so this is this is gonna sound like a bit, but I swear it's true. Um, the year was 2011, and I was texting my friend about dinosaurs. And my phone autocorrected Velociraptor <laughs> to Velosa space pastor. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know, it sounds like a movie. <laughs> so I had to do an in-class project um, like a, a week or a month later. And I had the costume. And so I was just sort of like, you know what? What if I can finally use that costume and I can make a fake trailer like Grindhouse, like Rodriguez and Tarantino, and just do a a fake trailer for some movie called The Velocipaster. Like, that's really old hat now, but in 2011, that was like a really novel idea to me still. That, that was like cool that you could do a short film shaped like a trailer. And so I did it mostly to play with 16 millimeter film. Uh, I, I shot it on film. I, I baked the film in an oven. I buried it. I scratched it manually over everything in my bathroom that I possibly could because it was the only dark room in my house. And then I got it <laughs> developed. <laughs> and uh, I it worked pretty well. And I put it all together and I released it online. At, once again, this is just a school project. This was just a... I think it was like my winter final for that year or something. And um, so it had a bit of success. It was certainly my most seen short work at the time. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Tried to kickstart it, didn't work. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. And I just moved on. Um, but after I made Animosity, I just couldn't stop thinking about the Velocipaster. <laughs> it was like sticking in my head so much. And I really sincerely wanted to be like, hey, I'm a serious horror film guy. And like, it hit a point where, 
I just finally embraced it. And I was like, it's actually more artistically true to yourself to make this movie you actually obviously want to make. And just just see what happens. And that's how we got to uh, the feature film Velocipaster. I love it. Nice. And did you use a similar technique with the the film to make it look aged and stuff? Or was it more digital no, and stuff? No, we, we had to shoot on digital. We didn't have the budget for 16 millimeter. That That's, oh, okay. it's... If you're doing a short film, you can get away with 16. Um, yeah. For very cheap. But unfortunately, it's one of those costs that's um, exponential. Like, the longer the film is, it, it gets way, 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 way more expensive. Because you're talking about... Remember, you're not just buying the film uh, that you're going to use. You're buying film for takes you won't use. So it's like, even if your shooting ratio is like, I don't know, five five unused takes to every one take that you do use, it's like that's 600 feet of 16 millimeter that you need. So it's like, that's, that's not insignificant. So for a three to four minute short, you can absolutely get away with it for like, I don't know, five to seven hundred bucks, including buying the film in HD development and transfer. But if you're shooting like a feature, you're you're adding even a short feature like this one. Oh, God, probably fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to your budget. Easy. And like that, we had a thirty five thousand dollar budget. I just couldn't couldn't afford it. So we shot on the. um, Sony A7S, we used a, a Shogun to blow it up to 2.5K. And, uh, yeah, that we we tried to achieve the look and post. Excellent. Nice. And you passed the uh, the savings along to uh, visual effects, like a car on fire? Obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that being, like, minute three of the movie, I was like, yeah. all right, I'm in. I'm so in. <laughs> this is exactly it's, in our wheelhouse. It's, it's the equivalent of real of film missing in uh, Planetary yep, yep. and stuff like that, yeah. It's, it's the moment you know, I think. It's the moment yeah. you know whether you're in or out. <laughs> yeah. I like to give people, like, sort of a tonal heads up in the first five minutes of my movies to be like, this is, this is what it is. So, like... <laughs> So I don't want it, you to find out 30 minutes later that no, it's not changing. And this is right, right, exactly. I, I mean, genuinely, I do suggest to people on Twitter, um, or just people that are my friends, I'm like, if you're not having fun with Velocipaster by like minute 10, you really should just turn it off. Like, yeah. like it's not going to change. It's just not the movie for you at that point. So, and I take zero offense to that. Going in, I knew it was not going to be a movie for everybody. And that's totally fine. Nice. Yeah, and it's, it's, it definitely got, has like a like a grindhouse kind of feel and stuff to it. Have you watched like a bunch of like the old grindhouse movies and stuff oh, growing God, up? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Honestly, um, I, I think... I've thought a lot about this movie <laughs> now that it's done. <laughs> and I think what I was trying to do genuinely was recapture the memory of the fun of watching exploitation movies with my family. Like it, it, it's actually more accurate almost to like my memories of what those films are like than the actual films themselves. <laughs> Cause you only remember the good stuff. And so one of my rules writing the screenplay was sort of like cut to the good stuff always. Like, <laughs> like just, just keep it going. Just just sort of chase the fun. And I, I, so yeah, no, no, tons and tons and tons of them. We were huge MST3K fans too. Yeah. So it's we like, just saw know, them live. 
Oh hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the uh one of the moments that was like a really um I, I guess almost moving moment for me when the when Velocipastor was starting to take off was a uh, Rift Tracks tweeted Yes, we know about the Dinosaur Priest movie. Stop sending it to us. <laughs> and I, time. I was so happy. I was like, even if they never watch it, they know what it is. And that that's such a fucking cool feeling. I can curse, right? I've said the F-bomb like oh, four okay. times. Yeah, okay, all right, good, good, good. Awesome. <laughs> that's just the way I speak. So I, I usually ask beforehand. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I just realized I forgot to, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Like, Amazon Prime, I love that so many of the, like, 70s exploitation movies and stuff are on oh, there for yeah. free. And so, Miraculous Scream. Oh, Mistress of the Apes. Oh, God. Like, all kinds of weird stuff. Kill and Kill Again. Mistress of the Apes, Steve legitimately had to pause six or seven times to just be like, what are we actually watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got, I've gotten really into, there, there's a string of Japanese Dracula movies, and they're, they're like, they're very bizarre. They, they're we, technically we a series. We, we haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah, they're technically a series. They, they have no connection to each other. You can do them in any order. But, um, oh, I think it's Lake of Dracula. I, I'm pretty sure it's Lake of Dracula. Like, blew my mind. Um, that one, and also, I, I have a Shutter account, and... They have the female prisoner 701 movies on there starring Mako Kaji. And I, so fun, fun fact. I was, I was in fact dead ass sober when I thought of and wrote Velocipaster, but I was very, very stoned when I stumbled across the female prisoner 701 movies. And yeah, they truly, I think they changed the trajectory of my entire life. Honestly, I'm just sort of like, this is exactly what I wanted from these films. Um, they're, they're just like, you know, that that's what I love about movies that are, quote, bad films, is that, yeah, they're amateurish, and yeah, they're, they're sort of, like, obviously low budget, but they're inventive. There's, like, something really cool in punk rock about, they, they, they like, almost, it's either, it's either they don't know enough to know what they're doing is inventive or cool, or no one was paying attention so they could do whatever the hell they wanted. And so, like, as long as they have, like, nudity and violence, no one really cares. And so it allowed, like, a lot of really cool, inventive people to just play. And I don't know. I love watching those films. They, I, I oh, genuinely nice. find them inspiring. Nice. Well, oh. and I get, I'm assuming that's how the ninjas work their way into Velocipaster. I was waiting for RoboGeisha to pop up at any point. Oh, my gosh. I can tell you the ninjas 100% are Miami Connection. That, that <laughs> excellence i oh love that movie and that's um i, I think that's where I, I i i haven't rewatched it to see if it's the same quote but they do a the gandhi quote at the end oh. is i i it's at least a reference to it honestly i might have stolen it directly <laughs> and so i i have to double check that but uh, definitely the ninjas uh, and the um, the Gandhi quote, a hundred percent Miami connection. I think that film is, a, is some sort of weird masterpiece, and I love it. Oh yeah, that, yeah. When that Gandhi quote came up, I'm like, oh my god, I've seen this, I've seen this. And, and you mentioned Miami connection, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think I did poach it directly, which is like, 
paying homage to the film. Yes, yes, we're paying homage. That is such a nicer way to put it. <laughs> hey, when, when other movies include a, uh, a sled named Rosebud, are they stealing it from Citizen Kane, or are they paying homage to Citizen Kane? Exactly, exactly. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, if anybody hasn't seen that 110-year-old <laughs> movie. <laughs> Spoilers for Citizen Kane, we're, we're dropping it here. <laughs> <laughs> we cover the hard topics on this podcast. And you were saying that, like, yeah, your inspiration was movies that most people consider, like, bad movies. That is actually the basis of our podcast. Steve yeah. and I, in our relationship, our relationship was basically based on our mutual love of movies that most people would be like, oh, my God, why do you even watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we wanted to justify them to people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, this is why this is the greatest. This is why Congo is one of the greatest movies ever oh, made. Oh God, they, they become like abstract art. Like, like they're they're just like I, like, and, and you're talking to like a, a dude who I, I feel like a lot of Velocipaster fans are surprised by it, but I love art house movies. Like Andre Tarkovsky is my favorite director. I I adore you know um, Kurosawa, Ozu, Bergman, all of them. But it's, I I think the only difference between me and, honestly, some film school snobs <laughs> is that I, I don't really see a point of demarcation between high and low art. Like, I, I don't think something like The Room is genuinely any less valid than something like The Seventh Seal. It is a, it is a very idiosyncratic man giving you his worldview. And he's saying, this is how Tommy Wiseau sees the world, the same exact way that Ingmar Bergman is. And I think there's just as much to learn and respect from that. And don't get me wrong, it's not a, The Room is not a successful drama, (laughs) but it, it is one of like the most bizarrely fascinating, quotable documents that you will ever see. And it's, it's all yeah. about that, green bro- that groundbreaking, just sort of like trying something new nobody else has ever seen before and yeah. using a voice that's not just like a Disney template. Right, right. Well, and quite honestly, I, I think that that is part of why Velocipaster has been doing so successfully is because, you know, we're hitting a saturation point where uh, Hollywood is in a very similar state now that it was in the 50s, Right. It's churning out a lot of very polished, high-quality content, but it all kind of looks and feels the same. And where people are starting to, um, you know, uh, gravitate towards and and, um, uh, experiment is genre. Like, the most exciting American filmmakers right now are for sure, like, you know, the Safdie brothers, Jordan Peele, people, people that are working in this sort of periphery. Um, Eggers, who did The Lighthouse, obviously, Ari Aster. It's like, these are people that are... Exper- like, let's make no bones about it. Midsommar is a two-and-a-half-hour folk horror art movie. And it was a huge hit! Like, why? That makes yeah. no logical sense. And I think yep. it's really because I people are why. just tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because they're tired of superheroes. They're tired of polish. Because yeah. especially since Wicker Man did it better. Oh yeah, that's good. We've been ragging on that movie for a while since we watched it. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's totally fine. It's not my favorite movie or anything. No, but yeah. it is. It is weird that it was a major success. 
it's, and like, I don't know. I, I think that's why people are, I, I think people are starting to, just like they did in the 50s, uh, gravitate towards genre and, and low budget. So, you know, I think we'll see a, a resurgence of American independent film in a really cool way. Or we'll get a Korean new wave. Won't that be cool? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just Korean waiting for movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for our next uh, Canon films to hire the next uh, Robert Corman to make something yeah. just like spectacular. Exactly. And I think it'll happen. I really do. I, I, I think that like, you know, film has been democratized. Um, I, I, I'm a dude from Montana that shot a film in my parents' backyard and I was the number one film on Amazon Prime for about 48 hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. Congratulations. Like, they can't Thank take that away. Much. And it's like, that's insane. And I, I think things like that will keep happening. Like, like I, I think that um, now that people are starting to figure out how the internet really works, I, I think, honestly, bigger budgets are going to have to figure something out. Because they're going to have inventiveness to compete with. So that's a tough thing to fight against with money. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we, uh, we mentioned to our Twitterverse that, uh, you would be joining us yeah. and, uh, had some questions. Uh, you were tagged on them, so you might already have yeah. some good answers prepped, but, uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, I was trying not to read them cause I wanted to oh, be okay. surprised. So, <laughs> Excellent. So I, I am ready for it, ready for those Twitter cues. Excellent. Well, uh, first one comes from Julio, the uh, Contrarians podcast at Contrarian Prime. Um, how much does the final cut differ from the original script for Velocipasture? I Didn't you post the script like, I, yeah, I, it was like I, Twitter or something? I yeah. just did a day or two ago. Um, yeah. So I, I I just reread it for the first time like since 2016. Um, so I actually know exactly how it differs right now. <laughs> um <laughs> Honestly, the biggest changes, um, a couple of things. Uh, Frankie Mermaid is a very different character in the script. <laughs> I pretty much just let Fernando run with it. And uh, his improv improvisation and just his vision for that character totally made it what it is now. I, I give him almost full credit for that. Uh, he came up with the name, too. Like, he came up with... <laughs> I asked him to play a pimp character. He texted back... <laughs> I will only do it if my name is Frankie Mermaid. Why is my name Frankie Mermaid? Because I'm swimming in bitches. And he like he did like a five paragraph text back to me. So, um, I always intended in the screenplay. I was like, Fernando knows what the hell he's doing with this. I'm just gonna put basic placeholder text um, to essentially be like, hey, you need to basically hit these points, you know. Um, and so, Frankie speaks to his employees and then yes. let him rest for ten minutes. Kind of. It's it's a very different character. He's so much better and funnier in the movie. Yeah. Um, the script was a little meaner, which I thought was interesting. Um, I, I think we sort of found that feel-good, just-have-fun-with-it tone on set a little bit more. Um, and I will also say the uh, the script is very... It's very sparse. Like, the script for this movie is 47 pages long. <laughs> and movie scripts are supposed to be a page a minute. They, they never are. But but that's sort of the metric that they tell you. If you have a 100-page script, you'll have about a 100-minute movie. Um, so going into production with a 47-page script is a... 
stupid don't do it <laughs> but <laughs> but if you know that you're going to write direct and edit the movie you have a little more leeway to do it because you know all major de- creative decisions are pretty much running through your brain and if you can keep track of everything you're doing you can make major changes on set and um they'll work perfectly uh one of the uh one of the other gags that i noticed was not in the script was she's fine Um, (laughs) which is like such a great funny moment at the end of the movie and i definitely i found that in editing i didn't know how to wrap up that scene and i just thought it was very funny (laughs) so i i just you can experiment like that if you're if you know you have essentially total creative control so I, i encourage people to go read the script you can you can literally read it in 30 minutes it's very short um but it you can see the difference between like the raw idea of the screenplay and what a director has to do to interpret it. It's actually kind of cool, but yeah, I will say beyond a lot of the flavor text, so to speak, um, it is remarkably similar to the script. We didn't cut anything. I'll say that. Excellent. And, uh, and I'm sorry, that's available on your Twitter at Brendan steer. That's B R E N D A N S T E E R E. There you go. Yes, correct. <laughs> and I, I'm sure I, I'm probably going to get it up on the official Velocipaster website at some point. Because like the movie's out, what are people going to do? Make the script again? Like that would be dope. So, I mean, as long if as I've learned one thing from Hollywood. <laughs> yep. What if we made a low budget version of Velocipaster? <laughs> well, like like under twenty mil. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we got three cats right here. That's half the cast. Half <laughs> the cast. They could they could be the you're, ninjas. You're set. You're going. You're on your way. <laughs> Do you I think have I've got iPhone? a dog dinosaur costume in the garage. <laughs> I'm in. All right. And uh, Diana from Happily Ever Aftermath at H-E-A-M cast. Uh, what was your biggest challenge on set? You know, one of the weirdest things about this about this movie um, was actually that uh, the set went perfect. It has never happened to me before or since nothing went wrong like like it literally one the the weirdest thing that happened was um we hired a dinosaur suit performer uh through (laughs) craigslist um the man arrived and i we, we were a very tightly knit crew um i still talk to a lot of the crew from 2016 almost every day like like it we really did become like a weird family and what, what, so we hired this dinosaur suit performer, and the suit wasn't needed until later in the evening. And within maybe two hours, I had had four separate members of the crew come up to me and be like, hey, the suit guy, I don't know about the suit guy. <laughs> so um, he, I, I, quite honestly, I never really found out what was wrong. But he was definitely creeping everybody the fuck out, and I fired him. <laughs> I, I fired him that day. I, I, t- I paid him what I had promised to pay him for the entire shoot, and I was essentially like, please leave. <laughs> um, it sounds did. like anybody where it's like, I hired a blank on Craigslist, and it ended up this way. <laughs> I, I really don't know what I was expecting with it. Um, beyond that, it, it's like we, we, we lost a lens overnight in the woods um yeah yeah and this is like we were shooting on vintage glass so this was like a seventy thousand dollar lens and we misplaced it in the woods um it rained that night 
and when we realized it the next day, uh, my cinematographer and I, quote, took lunch and uh, <laughs> ran back to the woods, telling nobody. Because, like, if if everybody found out we had lost a lens, that's the end of the movie. Uh, that Obviously, yeah. like, we don't have money to pay for that. This was a $35,000 production. That lens is double the price of this movie. So it, it was like, we went to the woods, we called up the homeowner in a big old panic, and his son found it. His 16-year-old son was just like, hey, is this it? And it was fine. It was untouched. It was totally fine. It was a yes. little wet. We wiped it down and it was totally unharmed. And yeah. so beyond maybe the scariest hour of my life, <laughs> it <laughs> all worked out. And and that that was really the story of this film. We shot it in 12 days. And honestly, beyond the two moments I just mentioned, kind of nothing happened. <laughs> like, like that was the incredible thing about it. It just kind of clicked. Nice. It was meant to happen, right? Uh, w- would you say? Would you say, prophesized, anointed? <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that kind of goes to the next question. Uh, Baracus at Vasilucina uh, asked, "How much time did you guys waste laughing bet- between and during scenes?" Uh, I needed to pause several times because I was out of breath. <laughs> A lot, honestly. <laughs> um, the, usually, usually, when everybody started laughing was when I would cut. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, and that was consistent from the first take, the first take of day one. Um, I called cut on it, and uh, everybody started cracking up. And it was such a vindicating moment, because I, I, it was the first moment that I was like, oh, I'm not, this works. Like, like this is actually funny, and I'm not just a crazy person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we were we felt like we were laughing the whole time. There wasn't really a downer day on set. Excellent, excellent. Right, and uh, three hours later, at three hrs underscore later, um, I, I really want to watch this movie. You definitely should. Uh, how did you budget for graphics like this? Uh, <laughs> and what's a fear you had when making the movie? So, okay, um, we actually did not go over our special effects budget. That, that, that's true. The, the missing VFX card is not in the script, but it was a creative decision in editing. Because I, we, we had intended to go back and shoot, like, you know, it was supposed to look bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. was going to be like a car model we put dynamite yeah. in. <laughs> okay. But, like, yeah. but I, I noticed that I was screening it for, like, you know, fellow filmmakers, the girl I was seeing, my parents, people like that. And consistently, everybody started laughing at VFX car on fire. And (laughs) after a while, I was like, I just thought it was a really elegant way to like kind of tell you what movie you're in for. (laughs) Like, like I said, I like to do that in the first five minutes. And um, so I just kept it in after a while. It was funnier to do that than to go back and shoot something. But we did have the money to do it. <laughs> um, we, Yeah, we budgeted the film pretty well. We came in under budget, actually, believe it or not. Um, we probably creeped up probably a little closer to 40000 with post for the music and um, the, uh, the colorist. But um, it was reasonably... It's definitely under $40,000. Any finishing funds I just put in myself. I was working an editing job at the time. Um, in terms of what I was afraid of, 
I was... Oh, uh, I, honestly, I was very afraid people would just assume I was an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I was, I was very concerned, no, less in an egotistical way, and more, I wanted them to know how intentional it was, like, like that it was <laughs> in fact supposed to be a comedy and supposed to be taken as a joke, and so I spent the better part of the entire shoot just sort of asking myself the question how bad is just bad because <laughs> if you if you just truly make a movie that that you is is just total genuine garbage it gets boring like yeah. like something we've we've used this movie a lot as a punching bag on this uh on this press tour but let's talk about sharknado <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. let's talk about people trying to make bad movies cuz yeah. most of those i hate it, they're, well, they're do just... you know how their their original script got written no i have no idea actually ah so i heard an interview with the two guys who wrote it uh they had written a bunch of, of scripts that had been purchased and had been just like locked up like people had bought them and they hadn't made them. Ah. And so they were like, they, they had like semi successful careers with nothing to show for it. And so I guess they, they got together one night, maybe some drinking happened. And basically they were like, what is the dumbest movie? I bet somebody would buy Like what is all the stupid stuff we would never put in a real movie? What is just the stupidest movie that would probably end up getting made because everyone's a moron Right, and it was right, written right. out of sort of like frustration and like, ha, I dare somebody to make this. And Sci-Fi Channel yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> that, all right. Wow. I did not know that. That's incredible. And that actually sort of justifies Sharknado in that it was written specifically to be, well, what's all the shit that would get made? <laughs> you know, that makes so much sense. Because what I was what I was literally about to say is that like Sharknado, Sharknado feels like a bit of a cynical movie. Like it's sort of saying like, yo, fuck these bad movies. Right. And like, I really wanted to come from a place of celebrating these bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Like <laughs> I, I wanted to be like, these bad movies are great. <laughs> um, and so, it, but one of the problems with something, something like a Sharknado where, where, where it's just sort of quote unquote, like random meme humor is that, uh, you have nothing to grab onto. The audience doesn't. It gets boring. Like, I have seen three Sharknado movies, and I know them as Tara Reed and Ian Ziering. Like, I don't know the yep, characters. that's how we know them, too. <laughs> and, like, that's <laughs> well, insane. You've spent can. six hours watching these movies. How do you not, like, how, how can we collectively not know these characters' names by now? And so it was a lot of um, trying to balance it, trying to balance it, put enough of a good movie in there that the audience has um, something to grab onto and pay attention to and honestly care about, no matter how great or small, just something to care about. And um, if, if I figured if I built up from that structure, it might hold together better. And so I structured it on Doug and Carol and the romance. And that's why a lot of the scenes between them where they're alone are taken pretty seriously and, and shot reasonably straight because I figured if their chemistry and romance worked, then people would remember them. And so that was a, that was my working solution for how bad is bad. And that was, um, 
that was what I did. I but I was very very worried about that. I, I was very worried people would see the film and just assume we were we were idiots basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, not forget Frankie Mermaid. He's he's the one everybody oh, remembers yeah. too. No. <laughs> hard hard truth. It it turns out it turns out I packed the movie with a rogues gallery of weirdos. So <laughs> it would it would have worked regardless. But that was my thought in production was that uh, I really got to make this romance play. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, and it works because yeah, you it, you actually care about the characters, and that that's like like we we mentioned the room before. It works because like Tommy is such a comp- I guess he's Johnny in the movie. He you have no idea like where his life is going in that, but you believe the character, oh, yeah, and so you're and willing he... to go on the ride. And it's the same with uh with with like Doug in your movie. It's like. Okay, I, like he's he's turning into a velociraptor, but you care enough about the character where you're like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I, I don't. It, it, thank you, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I I didn't need people to necessarily be writing fan fiction about these characters, though. Please do, please do. <laughs> um, <laughs> <I know>. um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, they need to at least remember their names, and and yeah, I, I figured that giving them sort of a relatable you know, thing like, like falling in love with somebody would, would be perfect. Um, and that's part of the reason the, the sex scene montage is so extra (laughs) because I was kind of like, this is my one moment in this movie to like show off because it's the one moment where the movie kind of breaks and I can just sort of do whatever I want. And apparently what I want is every frame on Earth. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I actually really love the, like, 70s, like, all the different frames coming out. Yeah, and, and, and I stuff. do, too. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. And so I, I was just like, this is my one moment to kind of be like, no, 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 no. We know what we're doing. And <laughs> the rest of the movie can, you know, we can dip as many booms into shot as we want. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And uh, last uh, Twitter question here comes from Spiker at Scruffier Rebel. Uh, will the Velocipaster fight pirates in the sequel? Oh, I'm sorry, I almost just spoiled the sequel. <laughs> um, uh, no, unfortunately, I don't think pirates are on the <laughs> So the so you know, sequel is in the works, though. That's, that's the important thing. Oh, I want a trilogy. <laughs> yes. I, yes. I I cult films operate in trilogies. So, so I'm sort of like I my want my next question. Yeah. Uh how how long before how many how many sequels before the Velocipaster ends up in space? Because they always end up in space. <laughs> they sure do. Um <laughs> I can tell you I can I'm trying to think very hard of what I can and can't say. I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. As of what I have planned out right now. We're not yet going to space. So maybe there's room for another one. I don't know. We'll see but we'll see how it shakes out. My life is in a very strange place right now, so I'm just sort of <laughs> seeing where it all ends up. <laughs> enjoy it for about three more months and then, you know, keep us posted on uh, how the sequel's coming yeah. along, you know. <laughs> yeah. let, let us know if you have a role for podcasters and need to pop up in there. And uh, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a really tall guy. I can make it for an imposing super past, uh, I don't know, T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, good. We noted. We noted. Can we put wings on you? Can you be a pterodactyl? I'm asking for, <laughs> just for my um, own personal reference. <laughs> 
Uh, honestly, oh, absolutely. I, I am almost seven feet tall and have incredibly long arms. So, yeah, <laughs> wings aren't a problem. All right, cool. <laughs> Duly noted, Steve. <laughs> just filing that away in my back. Finally get my SAG card, everybody. Oh, yeah, California's <laughs> not that far, babe. Or, hey, we can road trip anywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys are in San Francisco, right? So we were. Uh, oh. We just recently moved. My lovely husband here inherited a house on the side of a mountain in Utah. Oh, wow. Congrats. That's awesome. Uh, Oh, sorry? I was just about to say my my co-writer, co-producer for for number two is is in San Francisco. Uh, But but, uh, you you fled before I could reveal this information. (laughs) (laughs) Utah's beautiful. It's wonderful. That's great. It is, and it's the land of dinosaurs. We actually live less than 20 miles from the dinosaur park, where they have life-size dinosaur sculptures. Some of them were made, what, in the 50s? Oh, yeah, yeah. Most of them about 25 years ago, but yeah, some of them are a little older than that. Yeah. I'm genuinely envious. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever need to come out for a research trip, you got a place to crash, so. (laughs) There's legitimately probably 30 or 40 dinosaur museums within an hour of us. Ugh. I'm I'm gonna visit Utah. <laughs> That's right. Here, everybody's coming to Utah. No. Hey, you got a place to couch surf. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, are there any other like dream projects or like current project, uh, other projects you're working on now? Or oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I I am definitely a workaholic. Um, I'm just somebody that constantly needs to be doing something. Um, I. So, so, um, first of all, I have two bands. <laughs> um, I'm releasing uh, an EP with one of them later in this month. Uh, it was supposed to be tomorrow. Um, and then Reddit happened. So it's going to be a week or two. Um, I'm writing a book of short stories. I've never done it. Thought it sounded fun. Um, which my friend Jensen Ekfall is illustrating the cover of. Uh, that should be out in a couple of mo- months. I'll probably get it out by May. Anyway, I also do have five or six unproduced screenplays. Um, I really want to make one in particular uh, called Montana, uh, named after my home state. Uh, And it is a very, very dark and disturbing found footage horror movie about incels. And uh, it is, if there is a tonal opposite of Velocipaster, it is Montana. <laughs> and I, I, I know I could make it for relatively cheap. And I, I don't, I don't know if it'll be next, but it's definitely a movie I want to make. I think it could be an interesting and important movie. And I think that it, it like, I love art horror films. So if I can, you know, if I can take some of the aesthetic and some of the feel of extreme horror, you know, things like Lars von Trier, August Underground, things like that. If I can get the flavor of that and put it in a movie that's palatable enough for a wider audience, then I think it could be something really special and interesting. And that's what I want to do with it. Um, so I've been working really hard on that. The script is done. I actually, right before this call, finished a pitch packet for it. So... Um, so in addition to, uh, future Velocipaster films, which do not get me wrong, I really want to make those movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I've, I don't know, I've always just had that, I've, even in the short stuff I made in film school, it oscillates wildly 
between being sort of these silly romps and then it'll be like this really dark and serious, you know, drama or horror film. And so I've always had that dichotomy in me and I want to keep doing that going forward. I want to oscillate between like, this is a fun one. This one's Edgar Wright. And this one's where we get real. (laughs) (laughs) I just have always really loved that. So uh, I'd like to continue that. So do I smell a From Dust Till Dawn style movie coming? Combine uh, the two? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so when, you, when you mentioned the, the different movie like 45 minutes in, that's immediately what I thought was like, wow, this is like a legitimate like heist movie. And then it's like, wait, wasn't this about a bunch of vampires or something? And then <laughs> I love switch. that movie. I absolutely love that yeah. movie. <laughs> it's crazy. And I, I yeah, yeah. Something well, and honestly, even Rodriguez has that weird dichotomy. He has oh, yeah. his like adult films, and he has his kids' films. So maybe he still is influencing me in some weird way. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I definitely want to do some serious horror films in addition to more Velocipaster films. Like I said, do not get me wrong; I am so stoked to go back to the Velocipaster world. <laughs> <laughs> and we're stoked to see it too. But uh, Bloomhouse, get on it. Contact at Brendan Steer. <laughs> Make this happen. Or what's the other one? A23 or whatever? A24. A24. Spectre Vision can at me. Yeah, no, but I am actively looking for funding. So it is one of those things that I hope they do. Where are you? This is how you discovered your billion dollar franchise. This is the next Fast and Furious franchise right here. Come on. Honestly, honestly, I, I, every time I have underestimated the Velocipaster as a film, it has surprised me. So there's a small part of me at this point that's like, I might still be talking about it in 10 years. And I might still be, you know, literally making Velocipaster films in 10 years. And, you know, if I am, what a fucking great timeline we live in. <laughs> like, how cool would that be? So, yeah. so here's the real question. Do you have room in the sequel to squeeze the rock in if you get the funding? Uh, yeah, sure. You <laughs> 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 can be in the background. We'll get the rock, but we'll pan past him. <laughs> yeah. so it'll just be one shot where you, if you pause it, you're like, that's Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and people on the couches will just be like, no, 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 it's somebody that looks like him. <laughs> that that would be, if we really did get a big celebrity, that is what truly I would do. Because that is just so funny. Like, Or to just have a celebrity in there and just be like, oh, yeah, 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 it's Jude Law, whatever. And, and just George Clooney as the voice of the Velocipaster. <laughs> George Clooney as like the college professor in one shot. from a wide shot (laughs) but uh yeah no no i i i have lots of movies i want to make and so it's definitely one of those things that this is honestly a really exciting time for me um and so i'm just trying to trying to see what we can make of the success make more movies make more things happen excellent well yeah certainly enjoy it and of course keep us posted and we'll 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 stay in contact we'll keep up yeah, you're welcome uh, on here anytime. Thank and, you so and, much. And of course, the name of our podcast is Everything I Learned from Movies. Um, are there any like Gandhi-esque quotes? No, like uh, like <laughs> le- lessons that you've learned through making movies and everything that you like to share with uh, potential movie makers or just uh, people in general? 
lessons learned about filmmaking or lessons learned about life? Uh, either or. Okay. Preferably both. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I am a firm believer that, as I said before, that moments of serene beauty can come from bad movies. And one of, one of the paramount examples of that comes from Street Fighter. Uh, I think about, have you guys ever seen Street Fighter? Uh, oh, you're you talking about Sonny Chiba Street Fighter, right? No, I'm talking about Raul Julia Street Fighter. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Raul Julia, Jean-Claude Van Damme, directed oh, yeah. by Stephen E. D'Souza. It's, yeah, it's, we yeah, know uh, that We basically built a month of episodes around that. <laughs> yeah. That oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the line where M. Bison says, for you the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. And for me, it was Tuesday. Is some of the best screenwriting. <laughs> like yes. I, I think about that quote literally all the time. And this, this sounds like a bit, but I really mean it. Where it's just sort of like I, I think, I, I think that there are more things that connect people than drive them apart. And I, I think that uh, what we have to do is empathize with each other, and we have to learn that while a thing might be the most important thing in your life right now for people you're talking to it might just be tuesday and and i think that's an important thing to just sort of hold in your heart whenever you're having like when if you have a celebrity interaction and the celebrity was a prick to you like you don't know what their day was like they might the dog might have died that morning uh if if you are just sort of overwhelmed with everything it's just i don't know i i i think about that quote a lot and so I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, for me, it was Tuesday is one of the most important things I've learned from movies. <laughs> That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. And, uh, Brendan, can I ask one more favor before we before we let you go? Yeah. Uh, Could we get a little bumper from you? Like, hey, this is Brendan Steer, director of Lhasa Pastor, and you're listening to Everything I Learned from Movies? Yeah, absolutely. Yay. Um, okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know what's in my throat today. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, this is Brendan Steer, the director of The Velocipaster, and you're listening to everything I learned from movies. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I used to do voiceover for YouTube. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. A hundred bucks a pop, baby. <laughs> um, There's a steady paycheck in it. I'll believe um, anything you say. That's one of my <laughs> things for movies. <laughs> Yeah, no, this was a ton of fun. This, uh, uh, thanks for having me on. This was really cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks, and you're welcome back anytime. If you just want to, you know, shoot the shit talking about movies or whatever, we have uh, weekly episodes if you like. Awesome. <laughs> I, I might, you know what? Honestly, if I see like a bad movie or something that is just abs, I, I need people to talk to about. I, I will actually hit you up for that. Oh, that, that, oh that yeah, fun. definitely keep yes, us in mind. We, we've do. probably seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, truly, truly. So, and and if. And on the off chance, if I discover something like that that you haven't, then who? it sounds like there's nobody better to, to vibe about it with. So oh. I will definitely <laughs> give you up for it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you again, sir. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep in contact. Look forward to having you back on. Yes. Thank, thank you so much. And thank oh. you guys genuinely for, uh, for, for going to bat for Velocipaster. I, I mean, oh. obviously, we... Oh, the- the pleasure's all ours. It's it's an incredible movie. I I want more yeah, like it. You. I want to be inspired by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And and like sincerely. And also, you know, 
we didn't have a fucking marketing budget for this movie. <laughs> so the only way that it has been doing what it's been doing is um, by people telling other people to watch it. So it's very, it helps a lot. You guys are the actual ground troops. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I do just want to throw this out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, uh, we personally host a, li- a live show at a local movie theater once a month, second Tuesday of every month. And okay. they let us pick what movies we play. So if you do happen to make an excursion out to Utah, we could do a live showing. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, no, I could probably do that. Um, it's a movie theater that serves beer in the seats. It's called yeah. Brewies. Brewie sounds dope. <laughs> in fact, uh, <laughs> just last night we showed Demon Knight. Yeah. Oh me. hell yeah. yeah! Yeah, Next yeah. month we're gonna be doing Life Force. Oh. oh. <laughs> what a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I might. I don't want to promise anything, but that does <laughs> sound fun. And so shoot me info on Twitter and we'll see if we can make something happen. But I, I mean, I am in Southern California. I've made the drive to uh, Salt Lake City in a day. So oh, yeah. it's Definitely. like, yeah, you, I, I it, it is possible. <laughs> so, uh, and I love going to live screenings for Velocipaster. They're a fucking blast, dude. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Ir- oh. Irregardless of, let's see if I can make it. I think I should be able to, if it's in a month or two. Um, but I will say that, Irregardless of if I can or not, please show it. Because if you've never seen it in a theater or with an audience, that it 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 is a blast. It's yes. like a Rocky Horror esque experience. So, okay. um, please do. Yeah, definitely shoot me info on it. Um, All right. And uh, so yeah, shoot me an email about it, and we'll see if we can if we if I can get up there. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you thank so much. You so we'll let you get on with your evening. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. You guys seem super cool. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. They followed me home. The Velocipista, a troubled priest. How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, it's been about two years. I do drugs, sell drugs, uh, murder people. Oh! Oh! Ah! 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 A beautiful girl with a dark past. Last night was amazing. What are you talking about? The time you turned into a dinosaur and ate someone. Dinosaurs. You guys talk all the time about helping people. This might actually be the first time in your life you can. By what? Killing people? Yes! Show me I mean anything to you. Show me you got better shit to do. Show me I'm the one disfigured like a magic rest that trigger. Show me I mean anything to you. Show me
That's insane, Doug. God does not want people dead. Oh, I think God wants a lot of people 